Neil Morris has come to The Antidote. Thanks for joining us for a talk, Neil. Thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be here. You have a huge music background, Neil. I mean, many listeners probably know you from your days with Spock's Beard. That band has almost a cult status. Was Spock's Beard your entry into prog rock? Well, my entry into prog rock would have been, you know, seeing uh, bands like Yes and ELP and, oh, I don't know, all kinds of people when I was younger. That would That's really when I got on fire for it. Um uh, but yeah, Spock's Beard was my first progressive rock releases, you know, the first albums that I did that got any uh, attention. Yeah, that's true. And then you left Spock's Beard after becoming a Christian, but why didn't you just carry on? Well, I did for a little while, and then I just felt like uh, it was time to go. I, I felt in my prayers like it was a time for me to do something else, and then the Lord was calling me out of that into the unknown. Yeah, I mean, I could have. I just uh, didn't feel like it was the right thing. Many Christians accept Christ as a kid. It was different for you because you became a Christian later in life. What was it that brought about that decision? Wow, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do the Reader's Digest condensed version. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I have a book called Testimony where I, you know, kind of tell my whole story, but we won't tell the whole story. Um... Well, I mean, really, I guess the short version would be, for me, being a very experience-oriented person, um, it was experiencing the Holy Spirit was the thing that really changed me. I had never experienced the Holy Spirit like I did uh, when I first started going to this Pentecostal church. Oh, I first started just, you know, showing up at Christmas and Easter in 96, and then uh, maybe 97, I'd be dipping my toe in the water, and then 98. I'm putting my, you know, legs in. I was kind of a slow comer, but I, <laughs> I, uh, I finally uh, gave my life to the Lord in 2000. And then I was in, you know, in Transatlantic and Spock's Beard for two years, I think, before I uh, felt like the Lord called me out. But there was a lot of milestones along the way. Uh, my daughter was healed of a heart condition when she was born in 98, and I was really grateful for that. I had a lot of prayers answered, a lot of personal things. And, uh, you know, the Bible began to make sense to me. It was all happening at the same time. I finally felt like I wanted to really give him my life in 2000, 2001, right around that time. Well, that makes me wonder, do you feel driven to give a Christian message in your music? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's the greatest thing ever. And so, you know, it's the highest love, it's the greatest power, it's the greatest hope uh, that, that anyone could ever have. So um, when I'm writing music, you know, it's just kind of a natural thing for it to come out of my heart in that way. But everything that I write is not always that way as well. Because, you know, every conversation you have isn't always about God and his love or about Jesus. Um, you know, sometimes I talk about my wife. Sometimes I tell stories about other people. So I, I, it's not always. I write a lot of different kinds of music, and uh, everything doesn't have a Christian message, but quite a bit of it does. Well, then, beginning in mainstream music, then moving into the Christian market, was that an easy switch for you? Well, uh, you know, I didn't really go into the Christian market, really. Um 
I've been on the fringes of that. I think the progressive rock thing was too weird for a lot of the Christians. <laughs> Christian people that love progressive rock, you know, they they love my records. A lot of them do, anyway. Um, but I think for the mainstream Christian music business, I think I was a little too different for them. But I've enjoyed my little you know place to be in the in the music business i feel like i'm really grateful that the lord has given me an audience and um i just keep trying to do what he's calling me to next you delivered your 2003 release testimony that has distinct christian themes to it you also pulled in some big names for that album carrie livgren of kansas and ad and of course mike portnoy of dream theater was that helpful drawing in those two guys into the mix for that album? Yeah, it was very helpful. Well, I, you know, I had quit my band, so I was actually at church at the altar praying, Lord, what do you want me to do next? I thought maybe he was calling me out of the music business, period. But then I began to hear all this music, like a lot of music. What a flood. I mean, talk about uh, exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. Uh, it was about three months after I had actually told Spock's Beard that I was quitting that I began to hear all this music and I didn't know where it was going, but it became the testimony album. But I was surprised because I thought I kind of had this idea that maybe God was going to pull me out of progressive rock and put me somewhere else. Or uh, I really didn't know what he was going to do. I was just fully surrendered. And uh, I was really surprised with all the music that was coming. And I thought, well, I'll just write it. I'll just take a step. I'm not sure, you know, the Lord doesn't give me a floodlight to my future, but he gives me enough light for my next step. <laughs> so there I, I just got enough light for my next step. So I took a step and I wrote the testimony album. And then I started praying about who to work with on it. And I uh, felt like I should work with Mike, which I was surprised about. And I remember being at church and praying at the altar and and feeling like I should get with Carrie Livgren. And so we had a mutual friend who had given me his phone number. And so uh, I called him up, but I felt like I should be with him and not just do file sharing. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were visiting some friends who live in the south of Kansas, and I took a day by myself and just drove up to Carrie's place. And uh, yeah, we had a great time, and he you know, did his solo, and actually we talked mostly. But it was great. That's certainly a different way of doing music as to what's common nowadays, because file sharing is so typical for song creation. I know bands that they've never met some of the other band members. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I guess we've been talking about your past, but we're really here to talk about what's new. Your rock opera, Jesus Christ the Exorcist. I guess my big question is, what inspired you to develop this project? Well, um, as many of my concept albums have begun, they began with a phone call or somebody coming over and suggesting something or someone on the internet suggesting something. Uh, this was a phone call from a guy uh, named Michael Kaplan, who's uh, a real funny, high energy kind of East Coast uh, music business guy. And uh, he called me up and said, Neil, some friends of mine, we were listening to Jesus Christ Superstar last night. It was incredible. One of them said, 
man, somebody should do a new rock opera based on the Gospels. I said, I got the guy. I got the guy. <laughs> you got to do it. I laughed and said, well, I don't know. Seems like it's been done. It's been done quite a few times. Uh, I don't know, but I'll pray about it, I told him. And then I don't know how long later it was, maybe a month, maybe two. I began to feel like it was something that I should do. And so I dove into it, and I wrote the first draft in about two months, I think. This would have been in 2008. 2008? So we're talking yeah. over a decade ago, a decade in the making. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I did the first draft, and then I got some friends to help me uh, with the vocals and, and to record it. I'd written it like a, in my mind and in Michael's mind in the beginning, we were thinking of it being pitched as a Broadway show. So I wrote all the vocals in the stratosphere. You know, I wrote all these really high vocals. <laughs> so I couldn't sing hardly any of it. So I, I had to get some friends with higher voices than mine uh, to sing on the demos. And so I got these two guys, uh, Mark Pogue and, and another guy named Michael Jackson of No Relation. They did the vocals. And then Mark's wife, Mita, did the original vocals for Mary. And I uh, wrote it all out, and I did the demos, did a decent, rough demo mix, and gave it to Michael to shop. And he shopped it in New York for quite some time, and a lot of people really loved it. But um, I don't know if this is a good thing to say, but I think the truth was, at that time, for the secular people, they felt like maybe it was too religious. Mm. And the religious people felt like it was too secular. <laughs> <laughs> I run into the same issue with this radio program. <laughs> right. So, well, maybe that's why we're together today. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was just some of, the, some of the feedback that he got. Then I got busy with a lot of other projects and um, time passed. And I, I just prayed, God, open a door when you're ready. I didn't, I, I didn't feel to push it. I didn't feel to shop it. I just felt to kind of leave it. And so I left it alone uh, for all that time. And then in 2018, we decided to put it on at Morse Fest. And really the only reason why we did that is because Mike Portnoy was busy all year with the with um, Sons of Apollo. He couldn't do Morse Fest that year. So my wife and I were kicking it around. Well, what could you do? What can we do that you know will be good to do without Mike? And I thought, I'd love to do Jesus Christ the Exorcist, but it's kind of unknown. Uh, again, I prayed about it and felt like, yeah, we should do it. So we did it at Morse Fest, but I, and I knew it needed a rewrite because it was too long, first of all. The original draft was two and a half hours, and so I knew it needed to be cut down, and I knew there were some sections that were not all they could be, and uh, I was quite busy with other things, but I allotted a few weeks for a rewrite. And uh, about six weeks before that, Michael called me up out of the blue and said, you're not going to believe this. I think I've got a deal for Jesus Christ the Exorcist. I was like, wow, that's amazing because I'm about to dive into this whole rewrite and we're going to do it at Morse Fest. And it seemed very providential to me. I can't imagine getting involved with this because recording a rock opera, it's huge. I mean, this goes way beyond recording a typical rock album. Wasn't that intimidating for you? I guess I'm getting used to these really long, involved pieces. Um, 
it seems like that's where the Lord seems to take me. Um, I remember before we did the first double concept album, which the first one I ever was involved in was Snow. This was the last album I did with Spock's Beard. And um, I remember really resisting it. Like, oh man, I don't want to do a double album. It seems so hard. And I don't want to do a concept album. It seems so hard. And, you know, uh, and Snow was hard actually to write. It, it took us two years to make that album. But then after that, you know, I felt like the Lord really hit me up with testimony. And I've done a lot of concept albums since then, m many of them doubles. I don't know. I guess I'm getting used to it now. You're also running contrary to what's typical in the music scene because it's so singles oriented. But with Jesus Christ the Exorcist, you must be intending for this to be heard from start to finish. Well, yes. In fact, when you listen to this piece and if you try to pick out singles, we've been trying to think of uh, what to use for video. Of course, you know, advertise the album and the way, a, lot, a lot of the way that you do that now is to do videos on YouTube. And it's been a challenge to try to pick like one section that really typifies the album because, um, you know, there's so much diversity on it. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, we're we're, we're going to shoot some video in June. And I'm excited about it, but I'm, I want to do all of part one. What's what we're planning on doing? You know, the whole first 17 minutes. Because, I mean, I want people to understand the scope of the piece, not just like one song. I think you're also breaking another trend because the music styles vary from light to hard rock. So, I mean, does this mean that both Grandma and the Headbangers are both going to enjoy this? I think they do, actually. Um, we had a real diverse group at Morsefest, really. And, uh, man, it went down really, really well. It seemed like everybody really liked it. Most rock operas were recorded in the late 60s and the early 70s. Is there really still a place for this type of production? I think so. I think it would be a great time... Um, Particularly with the, what's happening in film, you know, with musicals seem to be on the rise. I think it's a great time for a new rock musical about Jesus. I think it'd be a great film. I'd love for you to talk about the guests that you brought in for the album. I mean, like, did you have certain guests in mind when you were going to do the recording? Well, I knew that I wanted to use uh, Ted and Nick... There were other people that were part of the Morse Fest team that I thought were really great. But again, you know, I, I really uh, spent a lot of time thinking about it, considering it, praying about it. And I really felt like that in general, we should go ahead and use the people that were part of the Morse Fest performance because I thought they were so good. It was kind of like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah, sure. There's lots of artists and singers that I would have loved to have been part of it. And maybe in the future, you know, there can be other productions of it and we can bring in other people. Uh, there's so many great singers out there. So I'm open for future versions of this record as a film or a stage player or whatever, whatever happens. That's got to be a big organizing feat to do a live performance of Jesus Christ the Exorcist. You think this could be happening again in the future? Well, I hope so. Um, my initial vision would be 
if there's enough interest in the album and enough enough people fall in love with it to put together kind of a small company that could do maybe a week here a week there in smaller venues smaller concert theater type of venues and uh do it kind of like we did at morse fest where it's only partially staged you know partly acted out but not like a full-blown production with costumes and uh more more of a cut down version and i i think that could be really cool it's sort of like a almost like a combination of concert and stage play i hear you well here we're doing all this talking about the release but i need you to tell us what the premise of the release is all about well i mean it's telling the story of uh Jesus, his, uh, his ministry, his crucifixion and resurrection, and um, also, you know, his betrayal, well, his betrayal by Judas and his denial by Peter and uh, the Pharisees coming against him and uh, telling the whole story in a different kind of way with a different, I, I suppose it's looking through a slightly different lens. And how so is it a different lens? Well... First of all, I mean, it's pretty scripture-based, so I don't know if there's been one that's been as direct as this is. You know, I tried to use a lot of the actual biblical text, which I think is a little different. It focuses a little more on uh, Jesus' activity of casting out demons or casting out devils, hence the name. And I just think there's some different stories that have never been written about, that are written about in Jesus Christ the Exorcist. Like uh, the Madman of the Gadarenes story is one. And uh, then, of course, there, there's some others that escape my mind at the moment. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's its own piece. It's, it's really a cool thing, and I hope people will uh, really uh, give it a chance and fall in love with it. You mentioned that you had cut back on the production length, but... <laughs> Jesus Christ the Exorcist is still huge. 25 songs and almost two hours long. Out of all the music, is there one song that really speaks to you personally? There are a lot, actually. Let's see. Uh, Free at Last is a beautiful moment. Um, well, I love the rockin'ness of uh, He Must Go to the Cross. That's one of my favorites. I love that one. Mm-hmm. And I think Hearts Full of Holes might be one. If there's a moment in the whole show, my favorite moment is uh, when Mary's at the tomb and Jesus reveals himself to her and just says, Mary, Mary. And she says, Rabbi Jesus. That's a really touching, really simple beautiful moment in the show it is it's so emotional yeah it really is it's obvious that comparisons are going to be made between jesus christ the exorcist and jesus christ superstar so what's your thoughts like are they comparable well i mean i guess they are comparable in that they are both rock operas based on uh the gospel story um Mine, there's a lot of differences. First of all, Jesus Christ Superstar only takes place on the, on the last three days, the last four days of uh, Jesus' life. Uh, you know, it's just 
really comes right at the end. I pretty much start at the end and then go back to the beginning three and a half a year, years earlier and go through uh, a lot of his teaching. So that's different. And, uh, you know, him gathering the disciples together and, and all the, you know, some of the conflicts that happened during that time. And uh, there's a lot of musical differences. It has some commonality, but in many ways it's completely different. You realize with recording this, you've opened up the door. And now you're going to have to go back to the Old Testament and do a whole series of biblical epics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it could do. It could do. We will see. You know, maybe uh, maybe that'll happen in the future. I would love nothing more. Jesus Christ, the Exorcist, releases June 14th. How do you think people will react to it? Well, I think people are going to love it. If they give it a chance... With, with the progressive rock audience, you know, there's a lot of them are not Christian, so they might be maybe a little hesitant about it. But I don't, I don't think they need to be, of course, because like Jesus Christ Superstar, I mean, I think you can enjoy it without being a believer. That's my hope, and and I hope uh, that uh, Christians uh, love it too and will really, you know, be blessed by it. Uh, I have a new project of mine it's called Waterfall. It's a uh, streaming app, and uh, Jesus Christ the Exorcist is going to be on there when it's released. It has everything that I've practically that I've ever recorded on there. It's got all the Spock's beard stuff, the transatlantic stuff, the flying color stuff, and all my solo stuff, and uh, the Neil Morse band material. And uh, so you can check that out at waterfallstreaming.com. And you do have a massive discography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really cool thing. It's that's the newest thing I'm really excited about. It's been an honor to have Neil Morris on the antidote. Thanks so much for your time, Neil. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, Dave. <laughs>